Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We're here in December at the tail end of the deer season here in Pennsylvania. And, you know, most of the hunting is over. We have some late season bow hunting. But it's now is the time for incredible stories. And we have a hell of a story for everybody today. I mean, it's just you couldn't script anything like this if you tried. And so I want to introduce Cody Golvis. Cody, welcome. Hi. How are you guys doing today? Thanks for joining cool. us. We're and doing great. Uh, your your brother-in-law, Corey Ragsdale. And uh you guys have uh, known each other for obviously a long time, but November 1st, you had a really, really special day for the entire family. And so, you know, we want you to share the story. I don't want to spill the beans, but it started off with a great hunt and it started off with an incredible experience in the woods. And then it finished up with an incredible experience in uh, Texas. Yeah, but I don't think you can bury bury the lead, Mark. And I don't want to interrupt because I want these guys to go. But Mark, you got to just tell people and then let them give us all the details. I mean, yeah, I mean, good grief. Uh, Corey is a coach with the Texas Rangers and Cody is like the greatest recurve bow hunter in all of Pennsylvania, maybe all of America. And on the 1st of (laughs) November, you know, Corey wins a stinking world series and he, he was thinking he was having a good day, but Corey, you know what it's like in life, isn't it? There's always one guy that's having a better day than you. And on the day that you win the dang World Series, your brother-in-law, Cody, has to go and one-up you with a big old recurve buck from <laughs> Pennsylvania. So so again, I just don't want to bury the lead. So with that, now, Mark, we can let these guys, you know, tell the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so if you, you want me to start off, I, I can kind of start from the beginning, I guess, um, as far as hunting and hunting from NPA, um, obviously I'm here here the whole year and rags uh you'll you'll hear me referring to Corey as rags in pretty much this whole video because i don't i ever call him Corey. we all everybody calls him rags but um so we have pretty much three guys that hunt together it's me rags and my buddy clay so you'll you'll hear me refer to clay a lot too and um we hang a lot of cameras and uh we do a lot of shit hunting but rags he leaves uh around february goes to spring training and obviously that's right around shed season for us so when he's leaving we're, we're starting shed shed hunting and we cover a lot of miles every year uh finding sheds and that's how this kind of ties into this story um back in 2021 this uh i think it was in march 2021 or might even been later april we had a a big winter that year uh, a lot of deep snow but we did have some acorns that year uh the fall of 2020 we had some acorns so i was looking looking for oak flats any oak tops i could find that might have had some bucks hidden in them to find their sheds and that's how i ended up finding this place where i killed this buck um went in there shed hunting i have a dog and he had found his first it was one of his first sheds that year he was relatively new and um ended up finding a few sheds up there that day and i i like the area a lot and i remember putting it down uh in my phone uh on onyx and stuff and saying if there's acorns again i'm going to be here and after that i left there and i never went back in the next season and we didn't have acorns that last season so i i didn't really bother going back didn't hang any cameras and this 
upcoming season or 2023 season then in the summer uh, i'm a forester is my job so i get to see there are some acorns uh, i could see they were starting to show up on the trees uh about in june i could see them come in july so i knew i was going to be switching my areas to you know looking for more oak, oak flats places i could hunt and i right away i remember that place and so i decided to go up and put a couple cameras up there and i hung the cameras early september and ended up going in and checking them september 30th somewhere in there i don't could have even been or i guess not september 30th it was yeah it was some somewhere around there i guess and before the season started and i had a picture of the buck i shot on I think it was July 28th. So I must have hung the cameras uh, in the middle of J July, somewhere in there. Um, so I, I had a picture of him and that was it. I had one picture. I knew he was a good one. I was talking to Clay on the phone, actually, as I was checking the cameras, because he was asking me where we were going to go or where I was going to go next to check. And I right away, I said, oh, we got a good one, you know, a good one on this camera. And there's a lot of a lot of bucks on the camera though, just in general. So I ended up hanging a few more cameras in there and left it. Came back uh, during the season, I guess it was the first week of the season, um, the end of the first week. And we had uh, a 10 point and 11 point daylight in there like crazy, like every day in the morning. And we were talking about hunting it and we never did end up going up and hunting it in the early season. Um, and it ended up, Pushing on into through October, we had hunted a few places by the house. We have a lot of permission places too by the house, and we we mixed it up uh, between permission places and public land. And and this camera was kind of, you know, it, I checked it again. It was really heating up. It was getting a lot of bucks, a lot, ton of bucks. That ten point and the eleven point were on there a ton. And when I checked the camera last on October 29th, I think it was a couple of days before I killed him. He was on there the 28th at like six in the evening he came by that the 10 or the eight point did the one i shot and right away i knew that was a buck you know i was definitely gonna shoot he uh came by and also those that 10 point and the 11 point that were in there i would probably shoot it both of them too they're about 130 class good bucks mature deer and so that leads up into i guess the the first um we were texting i guess in our group like rag said the night before um we have our our group chat between clay rags and i and clay said something in the chat about all right cody why don't you go out kill a buck tomorrow and rags how about you win the world series in the evening <laughs> we kind of laughed about it and you know played it off and i i think i said in the chat i'll, I'll probably go sit there and won't see nothing all day but that was my plan i was gonna go in sit all day i had a west wind and i knew i had to kind of walk out around to get situated in that in that tree which i i carry my stand in every time i just have a, a lightweight stand carrying with sticks and uh try to be pretty mobile so in the morning i i ended up walking in and that morning we actually got our first snow that day and there was fresh snow on the ground and i to be honest i don't like first snow i i never did every year it seems like when i hunt first snow it's it's slow. The deer don't seem to move much. I don't know why that is, but it seems like everybody says the opposite. But for me, that's just how it's been over the years. It seems like when we get that first dust in the snow, the deer just don't want to move. And that could just be because it's windier. I don't know. Usually those days are windier and stuff. So could have been that. I don't know. But either way, I get set up in the stand. 
and it was just getting light. He gets about a half hour past light, and about 300 yards from me, I could hear some bucks fighting or rattling. I wasn't sure what it was. At that point, I, I thought it was a guy rattling for sure. It just sounded sounded like a guy rattling. And so I was kind of writing it off. You know, it had to be a guy rattling. I think I texted Rags and Clay in the chat, and I said, I got a guy set up 300 yards from me. I said, it's going to be a great day or something, <laughs> kind of sarcastic. And, you know, we just laughed. But I st- planned on staying there still, um, even if there was a guy. I wasn't sure, like I said, still if it was one. But, um I knew those bucks were coming through there. So I was going to sit on that pinch point. It's a little pinch point where Laurel comes up and there was a couple, mostly wide open woods behind me. And then a couple trees down that would have to pinch them to about 12 yards, which that's what I'm looking for with a recurve is those 12 yard shots, 20 and in for sure. Oh, Cody, we love, we like 12 yard shots with the compounds too. Those are our favorites. (laughs) Um, I I wanted to just, uh, you know, people who are listening, um, Give us a sense of the area, because you talked about the laurels. You talked about maybe another guy being in there. And my mind is turning as you're talking like you mentioned being a forester. Are you on public ground and are you in an area of big woods? Because I'm thinking where you're at, you're up in northern PA, right? And you you hunt a lot of pretty expansive areas, right? Yep. Yep. So this is all big woods, uh, public land, national forest, actually. And it gets hunted hard. And I mean, it gets hunted often too. Um, up to this point, we we had one guy go past the camera the day before I was going to go in there. This was, uh, and you know, it, it was what it is what it is. I think it was a turkey hunter. Um, he he didn't look like he was carrying any uh, bow, but um, walked right down the funnel in front of me. Twelve, you know, the twelve yard funnel. And I I think I texted Rags and Clay and I said, you know, maybe I shouldn't go in there tomorrow, but. There were so many bucks coming by it that I, you know, we had to go in. That buck was showing up. We had two others that were good ones and a couple other decent bucks in there. So I decided to, uh, you know, still go in there. But yeah, it's all big, big timber, a lot of oak trees and a lot of maple regen, which in the summer and, you know, that's what I'm looking for is a lot of regen. When I'm, when I'm looking for big bucks in the big woods, I'm looking for regen. I'm looking for food. That's, that's all I really care about. That's, probably the shed hunter in me is I'm looking for food all the time. And that's really what I focus on. I mean, I know a lot of guys focus on betting, but there's betting in this area anyway. So I'm not really as worried about that. I just, I want to see that, that region when I go in the places or I want to see Rubus stuff like that stuff that bucks can eat all year. That's, that's, what's going to get your bucks big. Usually you'll see a lot of these big woods bucks that just, they don't really have the food, you know, they're getting eight, nine years old and they, hardly ever broke a hundred inches in their lives. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons because they don't have that food. They don't have cuts or timber cells in their area. And uh, they just grow up not having food, especially if there's no acorns, but they can't rely on acorns because you don't get them every year in in this state. Um, You might have a good bumper crop, you know, every, (laughs) you're lucky if it's every two years or every, every other year, but it's more likely like every four years, you get a good, good crop. If that, and then even if that happens, you're looking at, you know, if a drought or something comes like comes through like that, and or uh, the um, whatever wasp that is that ends up somewhat killing the the acorn. So there's a lot of factors that could lead to you know being no acorn. So I never really rely on acorns until I see them on the ground and the bucks or the deer eating them, and then it kind of you know changes everything. And that's in usually July you start 
50. And if you're going to have acorns, you know, for sure, July, June, um, into September is then when you really know. But in this specific or particular area, um, we had chestnut oak acorns. So anybody that I guess, uh, you know, chestnut oaks get grown mostly southern dry, dry areas with uh, laurel. There's a lot of laurel in this area. Um, and that's what I was, like I said, I was pinched up against laurel and I was hoping they'd be following it, trying to scent check it uh, that day with the wind that I guess would be coming. They'd be scent checking the laurel and I'd be behind them. So that was the plan. And um, yeah, like I said, I got set up there and heard that guy. So kind of get disheartened a little bit, but you get used to it a little bit hunting public. You know, you, you get see this quite often, but stuff happens fast. and that's one big thing you know i tell people is there's really no use getting mad and, and taking <laughs> taking off or getting out of there you know you could maybe if he's real close to you you move down into another area a little bit far from you or farther from you and get set up but so anyway so i get i'm in the tree now and that i'm that guy rattled or if it was a guy fighting i don't know either way I haven't seen nothing i saw one doe i guess walk way out in front of me in the thick stuff and I wasn't even sure if it was a doe, to be honest. And she walked by, and I think she bedded down out there. I'm not sure. And about 9 o'clock comes around, somewhere around 9 o'clock, and I gave a couple grunts, uh, blind calls, and I had a four-point come in right to the base of my tree, came right to the base, and then walked over to my left and started feeding on chestnut oak acorns. And I was like, that's perfect. You know, that's, that's what I want a big one to do. And... <laughs> um. So he kept looking back behind me as he was feeding. And this this goes on for about 45 minutes to an hour. He's feeding beside me to my left there. And he ends up getting to about 80 to 100 yards away from me. And he still, he kept every 10, 15 seconds, he kept looking behind me. And I remember thinking, if that's if there's a deer back there, that thing's winded me already because that wind's blowing pretty much right that way. And I thought it, it must be a bear back there he's seeing because sometimes those bears don't really, they don't win, they don't seem to care as much as deer. Uh, you know, they're, when there's acorns, they're, they got, they're like a buck in the rut too. They, they just don't even pay attention. So I kind of wrote it off. And like I said, he's been out there for about an hour and I stood up and put my seat up on my tree stand. And when I did something behind me caught my eye and I was staring at it. It looked like a deer standing there and it looked like it had just stood up when I stood up and I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, that looks like a deer an awful lot like a deer and I'm staring at it staring at it, and it shakes off so I know it's a deer now and it takes uh ends up taking a couple steps and I can see his his antlers and it, it was that eight point uh the one we have on camera there so I know know he's a shooter and um he's pretty much right downwind I mean very close and he's lip curling that four point that's up in front of me to my left and I I remember thinking I don't know how you know he's gonna smell me any second and it's gonna be over but he never did, and I, I didn't dare call to him at that point. I knew if I did, he it would bring attention to it, and he'd probably take off. So I let him walk the whole way in up towards me, towards that four point. And he ended up going by at about 33 yards, and I let him go by. And I didn't want to call at that point because I didn't. Those bucks, they'll go straight downwind, and that's usually what they always do when you call if, they're, if you can't get them in front of you. So I let him get out in front of me about, 60 to 80 yards up by that four point and I grunted to him lightly and he looked and he didn't really care so I hit him a little bit harder with the grunt and I kind of 
threw it to my right. So I, I do a lot of directional calling. Uh, that comes from my dad with the turkey in turkey or with turkey hunting. You do directional calling, trying to get them come a different, you know, out in front of you more or upwind. So that was my hope. I threw the calls to my right. And as I turned back around and put my call away, he was facing me this time and he was hitting a scrape. And so I know I'm in business now, you know, he's, he's probably going to come, whether he's going to try to come downwind or whatever he does, I'm, you know, we'll see what happens. And he keeps coming towards me and uh, he ends up breaking off at about 28 yards, somewhere right around there, 30 yards. And he's going through the laurel, the thick stuff in front of me there. And instead of coming right down the pinch point in front of me, he wants to go through that laurel, which that's pretty typical of a, a mature deer. So he's kind of going through the laurel there out in front of me. And I could see where he was going to come out. There's a, there's a big log. So he has to come out within 26 yards of me. And I remember trying to think, you know, I don't know if I'm going to take that shot. That's pretty far. I, I was thinking, ah, if he comes to like 24, I'm maybe try that if he's not alert or nothing and feed and, or stop. And I look back up and he's walking the other way now away from me. And so I just hit my, hit my grunt call again twice and he turns and he comes right down the same trail at that four point had to come down earlier, which is going to put him right under me. And he gets to uh, the 12 yard trail that's in front of me, the perfect pinch point there. And he's facing me, of course. And he catches that guy's scent trail from the day before. And he completely came out of that trance. And I mean, he was looking for people then. He did not like what he smelled. And he just completely went into somewhat panic mode a little bit. But he still is thinking there's a buck there somewhere. And as he does that, though, he looks right up at me and he's staring at me and I'm just not moving an inch. And I remember thinking, man, I'm not going to get a shot at this deer. He's facing me at 12 yards and he's going to he'll probably take off or turn around and take off here. But I remember just keeping everything ready or keeping my I, I shoot three feet fingers under on my uh, my bow. So I had my had pressure on the string and I was ready. As soon as he turns broadside, if he's going to, I'm going to draw back. And I got lucky. He. He kind of snapped out of it there, put his head down. This is after five minutes of looking at me, three to five minutes of looking at me. Turns broadside, starts walking down the trail. I draw back, stop him, and uh, I, I use a clicker with my bow. It's kind of like a back tension release with compounds, comparable to that somewhat. And once you hit a certain draw, this clicker goes off. And I remember pulling for that clicker, and it felt like it was like an hour for that thing to go off. But <laughs> no, probably only two seconds, actually. But so the clicker goes off, shot felt good. And I see the arrow go kind of crazy and it hits him back, like way back. The arrow went nuts sideways. And I right away, I'm sick. I, you know, I got shot. I couldn't believe it. And I was all upset and I'm watching the buck. He takes off like crazy. I could see blood pouring out of him and he makes it 60 yards and falls over. I ended up hitting, I must've hit the femoral artery and he just collapsed. I couldn't believe it. So I, I was I mean, I was upset completely, and then it was completely 180 and couldn't believe he fell over. And after going back and looking at it, what happened was I hit a branch in front of me, and it threw my arrow straight left. Like, it must have hit the broadhead with the right, right on the right side of that branch or the left side of that branch, and it threw the arrow straight left. And I got lucky that day. That's all it was. And, um, you know, he was able, he went down in 60 yards. So that was great. And, um prior to that you know i last year i killed a buck and it was perfect shot the year before perfect shot so it was it was weird seeing it go sideways and uh, 
you know, you, you practice all year. That's between my brother and I, we shoot every day and more hours than you can imagine. And, uh, something stupid like that happens. And if I could go back and show you that branch, you wouldn't even believe it. It was just one little branch that I couldn't even see until you're down on the ground. And, uh, we went and looked at it and there was a little, little scuff in the side of it. And, but it worked out. Yeah. We got him, um, called my other buddy Tanner and picked him up and he helped me drag him out. It was, a uh, was a long drag. It was, uh, about a mile and a quarter drag. So decent ways in, but we usually pack them up that far, but I kind of figured I might be mounting them. So <laughs> we, we decided to drag them out. I didn't want to mess up the hide, <laughs> but so, so what time of day was it when you shot this buck? I shot him just after 10 o'clock. I, I believe it was right around 10 o'clock. And of course, as soon as I shoot him, I mean, my stomach hurt so bad because I, I made a bad shot, even though he fell over, I still was kicking myself. And so up to that point, I didn't even really realize I hit a branch. I just knew my arrow went crazy until we, we got down. My buddy Tanner came over and we went and looked to see what happened. That's when we saw that, that tree that was growing in between him and I, just a little sapling. It came back with, it was a little branch from maple region is what I was up there for anyways, really. Um, but I immediately texted uh, Rags and Clay in our group chat and couldn't get anything to send because there's hardly any service up there in, in the National Forest. and um ended up having to walk to the other side of the ridge to get service to call call them and let them know I got one and uh to tell my buddy Tanner that you know he was who was hunting uh he was on another piece of national forest not too far from me so he ended up coming out and helping me uh, drag out but yeah I think uh Rags was pretty pretty excited when I told him I we shot one <laughs> yeah of course you had some celebrating yeah. to do but but how soon did you want to get out in the woods? And did that like get you fired up that you wanted to grab your bow and get out? Well, that's the thing with, you know, with baseball and, and, um, you know, being gone until this year until November is I live through those guys, you know, they, uh, whether, even whether it's hanging cameras in the summer and all the things that they do is like, I'm living through them. And, um, you know, I got to be careful what I say. Yes, I was itching to get in the woods, but obviously I couldn't get in the woods because we had something pretty cool going on ourselves too. So, um, so yeah, as 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 Cody kind of alluded there, he he got a little bit. Um, it it takes a little bit of luck in, you know, in a, all the stuff we do, a lot of the stuff we do, and um, obviously he is so prepared, and the time that he puts in uh, is honestly it's unmatched at least not by very many people. Um, you know, all the miles that he puts in, he and uh hanging cameras and and scouting and um going to look for deer and look for sign and all this stuff. He's he's crazy honestly. Uh so it was really cool to just know that, you know, when they text me that um that he had shot one, that he had got it, um that it was a good one. Um obviously knowing that he shoots a recurve and he got it you know, 12 yards and and uh was really cool and at that point in time obviously we have a lot going on um i think you know game five was that night uh game five of the world series was that night so but it was a really cool moment really cool experience just to know that he um he had shot one and then yeah we had uh we had a little bit of work to do later on that night for sure 
Yeah, yeah. I think well, that was the next text after uh, after we got up to the buck. Is that I think Clay said something in the group chat referring the rags, and he said, "I I guess you have some work to do, rags, because uh, the night before we we talked about me shooting the buck and him winning the World Series, so so he had to get out there and do it." Clay said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's not too many people. Probably, I'm gonna say none. There are no other pair of uh, bow hunters in America who can say that they did what you guys did uh, this past season. And we're here with uh, Pennsylvania bow hunter Cody Gulvis and uh, Texas Rangers uh, coach Corey Ragsdale, uh, reminding everybody that the Bow Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Lancaster Archery Supply. For all your bow hunting needs, visit LancasterArchery.com. They've got the gear, they've got the knowledge, and they've got the passion. Now, passion is something that runs deep in all bow hunters, at least the serious ones. And Corey, you touched on it because Cody, I mean, even as Cody was talking, Corey, I'm thinking, okay, first of all, I live, you know, we Mark and I, we live in southeastern Pennsylvania, Cody. So we've got a mix of right farm country and mountains, uh, but probably a lot more ag, you know, than you have in your part of the world. It takes a special kind of bow hunter to just have the patience to deal with that big timber like you do. And you probably don't get, you know, a whole lot of 20, 30 deer sits i wouldn't imagine maybe you do um but uh you're dealing with a lot of cover in a lot of places and then those deer can go pretty well everywhere um i'm just curious as to you know it sounds like you've been doing this your whole life but to do it with a recurve and you're limiting yourself like you said to 20 yards or less most of the time, right? In big country like that, you've really got to be intentional about how you go setting up those ambushes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that is what archery is about. You know, that's how I look at it. That's how my brother looks at it. And, you know, rags, of course, too. Um, it's about getting close to them. Um, you know, if I wanted to kill one, I'd, I'd go out and rifle season. Um, I'm prepared every year to eat a tag. I mean, I'm, I do it plenty. So does rags. We both do it. We, you know, we're looking for big deer and mature deer and that's, that's going to happen. You're going to eat tags in the state. Um, but the fun of it for us is getting close to them and, you know, trying to, trying to feel like I outsmarted them, I guess. Uh, and, and not that I kind of just, not that there's anything wrong with rifle hunting or anything. I mean, nothing, nothing wrong with that either, but, um, this is just personal for us and we like to be close to them and, and try to, try to actually beat them, uh, outsmart them. So, and that's now, part of the whole thing with shed hunting and everything too. So. Absolutely. Now, Corey, I, I'm picking up in your accent that you maybe are not a native Pennsylvanian. You, did you grow up somewhere else and, and was the deer hunting that you grew up with a lot different than the deer hunting maybe that you're doing now with, you know, Cody and, and the family there in Pennsylvania? Yeah, that's a pretty good um, pickup by you there. I'm I'm originally from Arkansas, Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, grew up deer and duck hunting uh, my whole life. So um, to answer the question, yeah, it's it's quite a bit different. Um, where I'm at, we have a lot of ag um, around where I'm grew up. Sounds a little bit more like what you're talking about, um, and some wooded ridges uh, that kind of fall off into some 
uh, ag farms and stuff like that. So coming up, it has been a, um, I'm, I mean, I'm still learning and getting my butt kicked all the time up here. It's, it's quite a bit different. Um, the big woods, you know, the national forest, um, in, in Arkansas, where I'm at, it, it was private land, you know, wh whether it was a lease or whether it was people on private land, there's so much public land up here. And, um, that takes some getting used to, i tell you what, it's, uh, my patients have been tested a time or two. Um, you know, people aren't always the most thoughtful on public land and, um, you got to learn to kind of just roll with the punches sometimes and and that's been a learning experience for me for sure yeah and now do you also hunt with recurve equipment so i did i did for about um eight eight years uh maybe closer to, yeah six eight years um but me being gone all summer i don't get to put in the time that i that you know is required to you know, pick that thing back up and, um, you know, go back out and be as good as I need to be with it. So, um, I used to, when I was managing in the minor leagues, I would have my recurve out in the, out in the outfield and I'd be shooting, you know, every day early in the morning, um, to make sure I was ready to go. But since then, um, been in the big leagues the last, uh, four years, it's a little bit harder to, take that recurve to San Francisco out in the middle of the field and, or wherever it may be, you know, and, and shoot out in the middle of the field, people, people look at you a little different. So, um, yeah, so now I'm, I'm hunting with a compound. So, you know, I mean, yeah, that, that seems fair. Like it ought to be, you know, equal weight given, even if you kill one, right. It, no bonus points for Cody. Cause you do have limited time. I actually, when you were talking just now though, and I'm a little crazy, but I mean, I've had a chance to talk to some other baseball folks over the years of being in this industry. Have you ever had this idea? Because I think this would be huge. And I think, yes, it would be hard at the major league level. Maybe we could do a minor league tour. Don't you think as like a fundraiser or something, setting up 3D targets all over the infield and outfield and having people in the stands shooting different courses, but it would be really awesome at major league stadiums because you could go like upper deck and like deep in the concourse and stuff and be like, okay, you know, Target number 17 is by the hot dog stand on the concourse. It's through the opening that goes out onto the mezzanine. And then you've got like a 78 inch drop down into the target because, you know, I mean, it would be like killer and we could sell tickets to this thing. Like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. That might be tough to kind of plan out, but and you'd have to pack some holes <laughs> up in the seats and stuff like that. But but it would be, uh, that would be, you know, the, what they do do sometimes is like top golf in stadiums like that. They'll hit golf balls from the upper deck out onto the field, stuff like that. So yeah, those, those that's kind of been thought of before. You, you can't tell me that you got, I mean, maybe you can't actually tell me, but you can't deny that somebody that, you know, if not more than one person has taken their bow up onto the upper deck and like shot down there into the field. You know what? I don't know if they're true or not, but there has been stories told about about some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Mark, I, I'm always taking us far afield. I know you have some more hunting specific questions for these guys. Actually, 
Cody, you were telling the story about that great buck you got this year with, with the recurve. You briefly mentioned the one you got in 2022. If I'm correct, you got that in the late season, which is really an accomplishment in Pennsylvania. Is that right? Like, how many people go out with a recurve in the late season, bow season in Pennsylvania and kill a kill a buck with a bow? That was that was impressive to me. None so, of them. They're not crazy. Like I was going to say six. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's six guys that go out, Mark, but but none none of them usually kill. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. I mean, there's very few bucks killed with in you know the late season like that, man. Yeah, I mean to tell the truth, I I like late season hunting. I mean it. You know, I don't like sitting in negative seven or nothing. But if it's if it's going to be above zero, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, I still will go out negative seven. But um, I did have I I knew the there was a few bucks coming to that that place. It was a permission piece last year, and uh, we shed hunt it. And in all honesty, I I see a lot of deer in the late season. That's because I I spend so much time shed hunting. I know where they winter a lot, so um, I know where those deer usually are going to be. So um, I had this this place, uh, like I said, permission place, and uh, we actually got that buck on film too. Uh, it was just a nice eight point. Um, I think it was like seventeen wide. Uh, broke up his rack a little bit after fighting all year, but um, yeah, my buddy Clay came in with me, and um, the buck came in eight yard shot, and it was perfect perfect shot. He ended up going about two hundred fifty three hundred yards and fell over, and. Yeah, the video was great. It was it was fun doing it with Clay too. He was able to film it, so yeah, it was a good it was a good time. But yeah, I don't I don't mind hunting the late season for sure. So you you talked about knowing where they're going to be. Like up in your part of the world, do those deer uh, yard up a little bit more than they would say in in my neck of the woods? Is there more limited food sources, and you know, will they we actually see maybe more? concentration of numbers in the late season than maybe you would either early or during the rut yeah yeah definitely there's uh especially with this year with the acorns you're going to see a lot of deer you know uh yarding up in those in those acorns this winter it just matters what kind of snow we get um we have light winter they're they're not going to yard up quite as much um i actually i hope for a decent winter every year nothing crazy but uh you know a good a good winter that they're going to get yarded up. It, it helps me find more sheds. <laughs> and um, if there's a mild winter like we had last winter, uh, we really didn't get a terrible winter up here. And it was tough finding sheds. We were covering a, a lot of miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles. We just weren't finding them like we do on a year that, um, you know, we have them have deer yarded up with more more snow. And, I mean, just, just comparable 20... 22 where we had uh we had a pretty decent winter 2021 2022 i think it was or maybe the year before but um i find like at least 30 30 to 40 more sheds when we have a good winter so yep so i'm usually somewhat hoping for it i want to i'll hit on that for a second because i'm sure there's going to be somebody going hundreds of miles like what are you talking about and um it, he he's not lying i know i'm gone and i'll ask him at the end of the day kind of how these guys did when they're out shed hunting and at 16 18 20 miles a day that these guys are out there walking and you know they'll even start before i leave for spring training sometimes they're like hey you want to go with us and i'm like absolutely not i don't want to go with you like i'm not about <laughs> to traipse through um you know all the stuff that you guys are walking through from daylight to dark uh, looking for sheds and 
you, you know, for any, but you guys that um, Cody in a, in the best way possible, he's, he's a, he's kind of psycho about, about deer and he lives it, man. I mean, I know you guys um, know that somewhat, but he comes by it honest with his dad, Denny, obviously the unbelievable Turkey hunter, Turkey call maker, hall of famer. Um, but he is absolutely uh, eat up with deer. He, he'd rather shed hunt than anything. And I mean, all year long, it's what he focuses on. So it's no wonder that he is so successful. And uh, even with a recurve that he's as good of a deer hunter as he's, he's probably the best I know. So um, it's really cool to, to see him have success after kind of putting everything together and working as hard as he does. Yeah, it. I mean, and we have to, I, I want to come back <clears throat> to you and winning the world series. But before we do that, you kind of touched on it. You know, it, it's funny. I, I talk uh, in one of our field editors is Bill Winky. Yeah, you guys might know who Bill is and nice, great guy, good friend. But Bill always says this. He said this to me like a hundred times, you know, the best deer hunter in America is probably some guy from Pennsylvania that you've never heard of. Now, Cody, we've heard of, but his point is like, if anyone thinks it's not easier to go to Iowa and do it, you might as well just like, you're crazy. It's easier. And it doesn't mean it's easy or that you can do it all the time, but it's just a different world. And so Cody, when we come back to your buck from this year and you didn't mention the score, I think Mark, you did at the very beginning of the episode, was it about 130 inch deer, Cody? Yeah, yeah, it was 132 and some change. I don't remember exactly, but 132, and that, yeah. And, and that's an eight-pointer? Yeah, yep. So that's a pretty big eight-pointer. And and just to give people, like, because, you know, people are listening to this all over the country. Like, guys, if you're in the Midwest, if you're in Illinois or Iowa or wherever, and, and you're like, oh, that, I want, no, you don't understand 132 inch public land buck in Pennsylvania with a recurve, that's like a 200 inch buck every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. Like nobody does that. How many other people, Cody, do you know outside of your immediate family who have killed a 130 inch buck in Pennsylvania with a recurve on public, public ground? <laughs> Don't Not say 22. <laughs> no, <laughs> none. Do you do you but, know anybody else? <laughs> but I mean, uh, to that point, I mean, my brother. You know, you said no family, but my brother is just as crazy as I am for deer, and and he does it every year too. He's he's very passionate about it, and he's killed some killed some giants. I mean, this past year he killed killed a nice nine point, hundred and forty one inch nine point with his recurve, and um, it was it's been a good year for us overall for sure, and we've had a good couple of years so. Uh, to hit on that point, to hit on that point, like I, I actually said that to him the other day. I mean, he, he'll he go out to Kansas and in, in in four days in Kansas, he saw 39 bucks from the stand. I mean, maybe like 180 incher that uh, was out of range of his of his recurve, 150 incher. You know, he'll, he'll text me. He's like, oh, I just I had a monster just walking up the draw. Anyways, point is, I tell him all the time, it's like, imagine if you live somewhere besides Pennsylvania, how many big deer would be hanging on your wall. And uh, it's something we talk about all the time, but he doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't bother him one bit. I mean, he loves going out into the Midwest and him and his brother both do. And 
it's fun, but I, I swear they're a little they're a little off in the sense they like the the butt kicking they get a well, little they, bit, they, you know. They they like the grind and like yeah, they, like they like the process. It. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean you can tell just from what you guys have discussed today. It's it's a 24-7, 365. And and Cody, I'm sure, and uh derives a lot of his enjoyment you know, from all the moments that aren't that couple seconds of actually releasing the arrow, you know, it's about all the other stuff. Um, yeah. But Rags, I mean, you can't sleep on him either. He's killed some, he's killed some big bucks over the years for sure. Uh, he can't, not quite in Pennsylvania yet, but uh, he passes <laughs> up more than uh, probably 99% of Pennsylvania hunters on public land would ever pass up. And it's uh, pretty frustrating for me because uh, I'll text him when he's in the stand after, you know, hanging cameras all year. And he'll be like, yeah, I just passed a, a small 10 point or something like that. And I'm like, how small? I, I don't know, 120s, one, one, whatever. I'm like, OK, Rags, whatever. <laughs> well, you know, while we're giving him credit, what we really do need to give him the opportunity, because I think you mentioned. So the day that Cody shot his buck was game five. Corey. So, uh, you know, you had um, some pretty big things going down with the team. So why don't you walk us through, you know, the conclusion of the World Series and how you maybe gave uh, Cody a run for his money on who had the better year, I guess. Yeah. um, Basically, that morning he had went hunting and obviously the story he talked about, he texted us, we're on the text thread and um, it, at that point in time, it's like, I'm living through those guys, but, um, you know, when you're in the world series and you have a, at the pinnacle of your sport kind of, and you have a chance to win it, um, not that you, you kind of move on fairly quickly from super happy for him. I got to go get ready for, for what's, you know, coming that night. So, um, long story short, we wound up, um, you know, winning that night. And I'll say this, like throughout the the whole process, playoffs into the World Series, you know, I got so many texts from people, hey, enjoy it, have fun, enjoy the process, all this stuff. And the, the thing I want to tell them, I'm like, this ain't fun. Like, it's not fun. Stop telling me that. And <laughs> just basically saying that it's, I mean, it's hard. It's there's anxiety in it. It's tense every moment of the game. Uh, one of the things I do with the infield, you know, we have positioning and every pitch that's thrown, you're worried about a ground ball getting hit through the infield and like, how's that going to affect what's going to happen next and all this stuff. So anyways, um, it, to go through that, to, to go through the whole year, my whole career, uh, being a little kid dreaming of, of shooting big deer, but also playing in the world series um, to get to that pinnacle. And it actually happened. It was an unbelievable moment, an unbelievable experience that obviously I'll never forget. Um, And then, you know, fast forward, we celebrate pop champagne and we kind of go through the night. And I I still remember where I was at. I I was sitting at my locker. Um, Everything was kind of winding down, getting ready to go back to the hotel and all that. I was sitting in my locker and I had hundreds of texts, but I get on the text thread with these guys. I'm like, well, I might've just won the world series, but only one of us shot a 130 inch eight point with our recurve this morning. So, um, you know, it's still pretty cool to just, um, 
you know, as a family, just have some success like that um, is just really cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, there was something else I think we should touch on just a little bit. You talked about your brother, uh, Cody, your brother, Corey, being uh, an avid whitetail hunter. But you guys are hunting with the bows that he's making. How special is that for you? Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Corey Corey's an artist when it comes to making a bow, and um, this I, I actually wanted to go into that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, he twenty twenty two. I actually had a different bow. Um, it was his bow he made, but um, a little bit different. And Christmas came around, and this past or last year, uh, twenty twenty two Christmas, and he brought this new bow over for me and said that's my Christmas present. I you know I I couldn't believe the thing was beautiful and. I, I didn't think I could shoot it any better than the one I was already shooting. I started shooting and it was like, man, this thing shoots awesome. Like, I love it. It's crazy how nice this thing shooting. I kept telling Corey, shooting good, you know, shooting real good. And he makes bows. He makes a lot of bows every year, but he puts a lot of time into them and a ton of time in the bows. That's, I guarantee he's probably doing it right now if he's not at work, but <laughs> he pretty much works on the whole time. If he's not working on him, he's shooting his bows. So, um, but he's very good at it and they shoot awesome. He, he does, he does an awesome job. Like I said, he's an artist with them and it's, it's pretty awesome to, to pull back and uh, be able to kill one with, with a bow he's made. It's, it's a little, it's pretty special. Like, like Greg said, you know, it's kind of a family thing and especially the, but kind of after you walk up to the deer, it's like, man, it's, you know, we all really did it together. I mean, that's, <laughs> When it comes down to it, if it wasn't for Clay, Rags, Corey, you know, and Tanner, my other buddy, you know, it, hunting wouldn't be anywhere near as fun. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the way I am as far as how hard I pursue them. So you I'm lucky to have guys that help me out with it. You talk about like how many people, Cody, what did, what did Corey's uh, deer a couple of years ago score? Uh, I think it was 192 gross. All right. So you talk about how many people um you know how many people out there make their own bow i mean unbelievably nice bows but then also on big woods public land in pennsylvania with their own bow go out and shoot 192 inch you know deer i mean you just talk about an unbelievable story and and an unbelievable just you know family in general um i'm the i'm the guy coming in from the outside but just what a cool story all these guys have. And they're, they're absolutely crazy about the outdoors and about hunting and all of them make me better for sure. So it's, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah. I mean, it's nobody Corey, because like, no, but literally nobody else, because you talked about how like coming here and starting to hunt, even with these guys to mentor you, right. Show, show you the ropes and everything. What, it, where am I getting? Mark, take over. Yep. So I think we might have lost Christian here somewhere, but uh, yeah. So Corey, Corey, you're still getting out in the woods. You, are you going to be looking to tag a deer now that you have some time? I mean, you have the late season uh, coming up. You might even be firearms hunting now for all I know. Have you been getting out? You know what? I, um, I've got a little seven-year-old girl that is absolutely on my case to go out. So we're going to take her out with a gun and see if we can't um, get her on something. But you know what? I, I think I tell Cody this all the time. You know, I I go out with my backpack. I'll have my backpack full of clothes walking in in my underwear and 
you know, I've got a stand and sticks on it too. And I ain't no telling what it weighs and I'm however far in I'm going, um, you know, a mile or two or whatever. And I go in and set and walking back out inevitably Cody, if it's not my wife, Cody's the first phone call I make. And I'm like, why do I do this? Like I go out, I, the deer I see, I don't shoot them. I don't know why I do the same thing over and over again. Uh, but we're, like I said, we're glutton for punishment. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting out, um, getting out when I can, um, we'll get out late season and and see if we can't chase something. But, um, you know what, I haven't, I haven't killed a deer in PA in, in six years now. So, um, that one actually behind me, I killed a couple of years ago in Ohio, but in PA, it's just different, man. It's, um, we're, we're, we, we like the grind and we're in it. We're in it for the kind of the, uh, like you said earlier, all the things that go into it besides just a few seconds of shooting that deer for sure. Yeah. And I apologize. I got, I had an audio issue there for a second, but what I was starting to say, and again, you just touched on it. What, you know, killing 192 inch deer with a bow that you made in Pennsylvania, I, I, you talked about coming here and getting your frustrations levels higher. Dude, I've lived here for a lot longer than you have, and I can't hardly stand it. I was moaning to my wife yesterday. I was like, you know, because I'm spoiled too, though, because working in the industry and getting to travel everywhere else, right? And I'm like, you know, I have to talk myself into going out. Every time I go out here in Pennsylvania, I'm like, why are you going out? You don't even have anything on camera to get excited about. Why are you going out there? And it's like, I tell all my friends, I'm like, you want to kill a big buck? You better get in the truck and start driving west. You could live a million lifetimes in this state and never kill a giant. And here I got the Golfus family proving me wrong every year, you know? <laughs> It can be done. It can be done. I just don't want to work as hard as they do. I I don't think we've ever said this on the podcast, but Cody, if you invite us up, we'd love to come on with you. <laughs> Maybe you that would, would be a first. Hey, hey, I, I was I'm a little embarrassed to say that I'm a little embarrassed to say that I haven't shot one in six years because I have one of the best bow hunters I've ever known as my my personal guide. <laughs> uh, for all intents and purposes, but, um, it's, it's a little, I'm a little ashamed of myself to say that, but. <laughs> well, two, two quick questions. And I know we got to wrap it up before long, Corey, your, your sweatshirt, uh, Gulvis wildlife adventures. It just make, I got to ask you about it. I mean, are you, what is that? Are you guys offer some, some guiding services or what? So. No, that's that's just Cody's dad. Um, Denny Gulvis, obviously, uh, Hall of Fame, uh, National Wild Turkey Federation Hall of Famer, um, world champion caller, um, turkey call maker. That's just kind of his. He uh, got us some shirts and he has been so good to me. Obviously, this family has been so good to me, but he's unbelievable. So I thought I'd uh, represent him a little bit on the podcast and wear one of his shirts. So, and, and is he your father-in-law? Yeah, he is. My so, so father-in-law, Cody's you're, you're, dad. You're sucking up to your father-in-law. That's what, that's all that's about is basically Always good saying. to suck up to the father-in-law <laughs> a little bit. Well, and, and you know what? I learned that. 
<laughs> you know what's funny is that actually leads me to my second and last question that I have for you. I just kind of have to know the story. You don't have to go too long, but how does a guy from Jonesboro, Arkansas, who obviously has had you know a career in baseball that I'm sure you you did a lot of playing before you got into coaching, how do you end up marrying into some crazy deer hunting family from northern Pennsylvania? You hit the nail on the head. Crazy, crazy is exactly right. But um, you know what I did? I played for nine years, drafted in 01, played for nine years. Um, and then I started coaching after that. So my baseball career the last 24 years has taken me all over. And luckily it um, took me to uh, meet Christy, um, Cody's sister. Um, so and I met her along the way and uh, we kind of knew each other and then started talking a little bit um, at some point and just a little by little started talking more and more. And before I knew it, uh, we were serious and I was um, packing up everything that I'd ever known from Jonesboro, Arkansas. I mean, you talk about it, it's it's a little bit different world. It's a huge different hunting experience being where I'm at now in Pennsylvania from where I was at in Arkansas. Um, we talked about the private land and all that. I, I grew up duck hunting, um, duck hunting in the morning, deer hunting in the afternoon, uh, huge duck hunter, but now come up here and, and haven't duck hunted in a couple of years. Other than when I go home, uh, my brother, we did shoot 30, five with my brother and some friends the other day when I was back home in Arkansas just to throw that out there but um now all deer hunting not not as good a duck hunting around here but um I've been so blessed so fortunate to meet meet Christy my wife and to get to end up in this crazy deer hunting family that you're talking about so it's been a wild ride for sure yeah that's good and uh it's good to know that he still he wanted to get some duck hunting swag out there you know what I mean <laughs> Mark, why don't you like wrap us up? Absolutely. I can't add much to such an incredible and wonderful story, but I'll say, Cody, congratulations on a tremendous Pennsylvania public land book. Corey, congratulations on capturing and winning the pinnacle of professional baseball. And you know, for everybody who's listening, we'll see you next time on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com. <laughs>